Hello and welcome to the Power Dialogue. This is a monthly show that casts a spotlight on the continent's leading voices through commentary and opinions that shape our everyday lives. I am your host, Zedi Baiti. Our guest for today is Moses. Moses has over 25 years of experience in leadership and managerial roles. Karibu sana Moses. Thank you very much, Zedi. Please tell us about yourself. <laughs> Who is Moses? That's, that's the strangest question I can be asked because what, what are you supposed to say? Who am I? Um, <laughs> I tried to rehearse that one, but it didn't work. Um, I know you have some <laughs> philosophies that take you so far, that have taken you so far. Not you really. can tell us about those. Uh, to me, I'm just a guy who's uh, enjoying this ride of we call life. Um, moving from one um, challenging field and uh, trying to innovate into a next and to the next. Mm -hmm. So I would say I'm somebody who enjoys to break new ground. Uh, maybe Ofa was telling you, it's, maybe it's reason they called me Moses. <laughs> so I'm always trying to maybe cross the Red Sea yeah. or something. Um, I don't know. It's just a guy who's around here now in the EV space, been in a few different spaces. Yeah. And um, yeah, no, open the doors and let others uh, follow. Mm -hmm. So there's not much to say. I know you've been around the block <laughs> from uh, cyber cafes to water, to mobile toilets, to everything. How did you end up in e-mobility space? What brought you to the space you are today? Honestly, it, this one is a choice. It's mm -hmm. not like um, a lot of things, uh, and actually most of the things I've done has been out of choice, but there's been an interest. And it started somewhere in 2013. Mm -hmm. uh, I happened to... Uh, be spend some time in Guangzhou in China and I noticed that all the bicycles were battery powered led us it at that time mm -hmm. and um, so all the deliveries were in Guangzhou they don't actually allow motorcycles of any type mm -hmm. so but all the deliveries are by bicycles and I thought that was actually quite interesting so is it still the same till today they don't yeah, allow they, motors, uh, uh, actually motor no I, I, I don't know now I mean yeah. last time I was there in 2017 there were no motorcycles in in Guangzhou itself you have to go a bit outside so so all the deliveries are done by bicycles and then of course they shared rides and all that. but what I noticed between 2013 and 2017 was just the shift in ele uh, in electrification of these vehicles so for me at that time in 2017 I bought my first electric bicycles and I bought like six of them for myself and the kids and it was a fun experience just having an electric uh, bicycle and um, so Somewhere there, I just felt there's something here. So I kept, you know how you keep something in the back burner, you're always looking at it, um, knowing that this is going to be a big thing and this is going to be the next big thing. Mm -hmm. So when an opportunity came to get involved in the, in the EV sector, I jumped on it. Yeah. Most of the time we have challenges when we acquire motor vehicles or bikes from abroad. They're usually tailored for their terrain, their market. When you had your fashion, the electric bicycle, did you have any challenges then? Because I know the infrastructure there and here are quite different. How did you... Other than the little socket that yeah. is... No, <laughs> not really. I think sometimes we overplay that. And I think it comes from the legacy of for many years our roads were so bad. So we felt that, oh, you know, a car has to be built for Africa. Yeah. That became a selling point. Yeah. But in, in reality, a lot of rubbish in that. <laughs> I mean, if you buy, I mean, there's a guy in Kenya with a Tesla. Mm -hmm. 
It's, Easier. Yes, it's moving. It's it's driving on these roads. So our roads have improved. There's not much they do. In fact, when people say that it's actually made for Africa, yeah. that means they've just made it cheaper or <laughs> made it or removed some uh, important things. Yeah. So if you the find that exactly yeah. the room, so the windows are not powered. Yeah. They are, you know, you're actually you're powering them like the Flintstones. Yeah. No, you know they. <laughs> so that's I, I think it's a fallacy, and there's. A, Look, you're sitting with a nice tablet. Is that tablet made for Africa? <laughs> so what is what is it about m mobility and uh, vehicles that we suddenly want something mm. that's specifically for tailored us? For that, yeah, tailored for us. Are we saying that we cannot improve our infrastructure so that we can use what the rest of the world is using? Mm. I think that's something we need to get out of yes. and stop using it as a selling point. It actually, it demeans us mm. in, in doing it that. It does, way. really. Yeah. Thank you for that. Mm. I'd like you to share with us, uh, what's your role at Pasigo? And what's the big, big picture with Pasigo, really? So my role is, uh, officially, they call me the Chief Revenue Officer. Officially. Yeah, officially, <laughs> yes. that's a big name, Chief yes. Revenue Officer. So I'm the money guy mm -hmm. in terms of, it's a big name for being, you're the sales <laughs> it is. guy. It is. You're the person who's taking <laughs> this um, this dream mm. um, uh, to the public. Mm. So I'm the, um, basically, I, I head the customer-facing um, uh, part of the business. Mm -hmm. So I am the interface between Basigo and the end customer who currently is the PSV market. And of course, mm -hmm. we're looking at other, market, mm -hmm. other markets in future. The big picture is um, how can we start transforming mobility in, in Kenya and then in the region and in Africa mm -hmm. by moving them, by moving people who are in, especially public transport and maybe commercial vehicles yes. to electric vehicles. Yes. And yeah, that's actually the big picture. Mm -hmm. And that way then we've got all the other um, um, advantages of the climate and uh, economics and all that. But the big picture is to just transform that mobility. Yeah. Yeah. 1,500 and two kilometers later, and 201,000 passengers. How has been the company's experience so far with e-mobility? It's been, it's almost like, um, it's like being a parent. You're extremely proud when your child comes, but then every day they make a milestone. They yeah. call you, they say their first word, then they, they make their first steps, and then they go to school, and every day it's just a high and another high. And So the first high was vehicles are in Kenya. They are here. Here are the buses. Then you you take them through product validation. Mm -hmm. Can they actually work? In, yes. Yeah? Does... The manufacturer says they will do this number of kilometers. Do they do that? That's another step. And then they, you tick that box 100%. Mm -hmm. Then next, you then say, can, can we put them into passenger operations? And you start that. And then you see uh, another aspect comes up where actually passengers are love the bus. The drivers love the bus. And that's why you're finding in a very short period, mm. we've done so many kilometers because these buses are actually doing more kilometers than maybe the, their diesel counterparts. And that's How many are they? There are only two buses that have actually been running yeah. for the last 11 months. Okay. Uh, those are our two pilot buses yes. running with two different operators, yes. City Hopper and East Shuttle. East Shuttle goes to Dandora. Excellent route because it we tested it. You know that thing we're saying about Africa? We tested it. <laughs> 47 bumps between City Stadium and Dandora Stadium. Every day you go through those bumps both ways. So are, are the bumps a factor? Are they critical? In it the is a factor because remember the, the vehicles we are 
remember our vehicles are bumps is not um nobody designs a road with bumps bumps are a speed coming measure but in kenya bumps are um, reason to have a market for hawkers to stop you know and then they're not standardized so you find that so are you going to build a vehicle that is 200 mm uh, clearance or is it going to be 300 because if you want the expressway the bumps are actually very good mm. international standards you still slow down they slow you down but what about the ones on bagathi way what about the ones on fika road some of them actually could be named as hills you know <laughs> you <quite> could <laughs> you could name them so they're not it is an issue because yeah. this is a, our buses are actually uh, buses that are made from from the get go as a bus mm. a lot of the buses we use here and i'm not knocking anybody is a lorries it's a truck let's be honest it's a truck you which is meant for carrying goods you take the chassis and you build a body on top it was not meant to be a bus and if you can go to any country even where the source country where those buses are coming from and see if they have one of those buses running on their routes so our bus is actually built from the ground up as a bus and because it's built as a bus you, of course you want you want that um, the entry level to be as low as possible mm-hmm. so that means of course you have to compromise on some of some of the clearance mm-hmm. so those are things that we've been testing and so far i would say it's been great mm-hmm. the uh had their challenges yes they are but what have we done about it as we then design the next uh, set of buses then we can actually make some adjustments yeah. here and there so when you say design the next set are you assembling it locally or does it come ready made how do you get them so we've just got a whole um, uh, towards the end of last year yeah. now they're here we got a, another 15 buses which will be deploying within the next 2 to 3 weeks mm-hmm. so you'll start seeing them actually as as early as next week i don't know when this goes out but so it's next week <laughs> so whenever it goes it'll be next week <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah but um so we're starting those being deployed uh, yes. with different operators mm-hmm. what have we, there's a few adjustments yeah. to be able to just make them a bit uh, more comfortable for for the both the passengers and the people driving them mm-hmm. um, even the change of where the door is and uh, a bit of the clearance and such things we've we've done so they were not they came semi built but mm-hmm. mainly fully built but we did all the interiors locally uh, at AVA reason why is we want to start that journey to local assembly yes uh, and our our hope is by uh, quarter 3 of this year mm-hmm. we will definitely be doing local assembly uh, with with a uh, with a uh, assembly partner mm-hmm. who's our assembly partner is AVA so that's the 1000 electric buses you're hoping to go oh, to most definitely okay. uh, there is no way we can actually scale we cannot get to 1000 mm-hmm. if we're importing we have to actually bring them here we have to start creating the skills here we mm-hmm. have to start there's also tax implications yes. there's uh, there's economic implications you want to build a workforce that understands these buses so you cannot do that uh, and and scale to the point where we would like to be if you are fully Still importing, importing. Yeah, makes sense you're talking about islands So if I want to get to to hop onto an electric bus where do I go where exactly do I need to be are there specific timings do I have to reserve I saw on your website there's an element of reservation mm-hmm. or is is it just first come first serve places first first go to our website yes click on the bus locator at any time you'll see where the bus is however remember our buses here run on routes so the one route is uh, all sorts uh, to see CB- uh, to the airport and mm-hmm. sometimes to cbd all sorts is pale gsu mm-hmm. on there and tika road and outer ring road so that's that's one route where city hopa runs and then east runs uh, from dandora to city stadium via buruburu so 
the first way is either you're on those two in one of those two routes or you go to the bus locator so if you were ready at let's say at the airport you mm -hmm. can then click on the bus locator on our website and it'll tell you where the bus is and how far it is so that's the easiest way but i think by the time uh, by today next week we <laughs> shall have a few other routes yeah, so you'll be able to catch your bus on uh, the Waiyakiwe route yes. um, coming from Kikuyu, coming to CBD. Uh, hopefully the week after you'll be able to get from Kariobangi South, Sivo, all mm -hmm. the way to town. Mm -hmm. uh, and you will also be able to take a bus from Utawala and also on Fika Road. So within the next few weeks, you, you will not need to be on those two routes. There will okay. be several places you can take these buses with different, uh, with different um, transport companies. Mm -hmm. Let me ask, just I'm curious. Curious, how are the fares like? Because from all sorts of town, is it does it how does it compare to the normal matatu that we use? Okay, during the pilot, we asked these guys, uh, we asked our pilot partners, keep the fares the same. Now, uh, as we are moving to the commercial phase, that's really not up to us mm -hmm. because then uh, if they want to keep the fares the same, but so far, um, I I don't see any reason why the uh, they would charge a premium on this bus as much as the premium bus. I think we it's it's an opportunity. Everybody is um, the Kenyan public is really pushed to the wall. Putting up fares right now yeah. is not the right thing. Mm -hmm. And so if if the operators can reduce their operating costs mm -hmm. by because they're using electric, and then that way they they are still making a bit more money without actually putting up the fares. That is actually the the, the dream. And I think we we yeah, sustainability we, is key. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I think yeah. that's the way it's gonna yeah. go. Yeah. So it, when I'm trying to get onto it, is it the same as a matatu? I wait for it, I hop in, or do I still have to use the locator so that it picks me up? Right now, it is technically, it is a matatu like any other. Mm. However, mm -hmm. what have we seen in the pilot? The bus arrives to, let's say, a bus stop. Technically, like uh, a lot of times you find a queue of, uh, of matatus and yes. they, they fill up and they queue depending on the different companies. What happens is because the bus is popular, it just fills up. <laughs> in fact, sometimes they let it go to the front of the queue so as not to kind of, you know, keep, because there are people who are waiting for that <laughs> specific bus. For it. So they just say, you just go in front and then let the, let the whole queue keep moving. Yeah. So that's the, that's that's the way it's going. Mm -hmm. um, is there an opportunity to make that better? Yes. So there's something we are working on with, with the with the with the different circles that are running, mm -hmm. but that's a work in progress. Mm -hmm. And within the next few months, you'll see that there'll be a better way of boarding that what you're alluding to yeah. of boarding the of this vehicle you look forward to it <laughs> and you're talking about uh, the bus going ahead of the line and people looking out for it are there any distinctive features that come with the bus apart from the it's electric it's electric how do people know it's quiet yeah it looks different how it's different comfortable. it's got wi-fi it's got <laughs> mid is multimedia in the bus yeah. it's you can charge mm -hmm. Let's be so from if, the outside. From the outside, it's very different. Yeah? How it looks like a bus. It looks like a bus you see in Europe. It looks like yeah. a bus you see in the US. It looks like a bus you see in China. So apart from yeah. the graffiti, is there something that makes it like very distinct? This is an EV. Um, yes. Uh, what is very distinct? It says 
basi go 100% electric. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, if it's packed yeah. amongst other buses. So mm. in Kenya, yes, it does look very different. If it was yeah. anywhere else, it would not. I mean, this bus, there, there's 5,000 of them running in one city in Shenzhen, mm. in, in, in China. But in Kenya, it does look significantly different, different. From, from, uh, from the other matatus we, yeah. see, we see on the road. But um, I think for the difference is not so much in 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 the in how it looks i think the difference is in the experience of mm. of uh, of of boarding this bus we could actually and which we had planned to do yes, we could we actually will still have do that. yes we could have actually <laughs> done this podcast in yes. the bus because it's quiet yeah there's no engine noise. I, I like to tell the story of how m- music started in Nairobi. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like you said experience. I'm a bit older. <laughs> <laughs> music did not start because somebody thought that they, oh, you know, my matatu would do better because uh, I've got music. Music started because diesel engines in the 80s and the 90s were very, very loud. Mm. And for us who started with KBS, the buses, they were extremely loud because the engine, diesel engines were very loud. So when Matatus came in to drown out that noise, engine noise, they put music. And that's how the whole music culture started in this Nairobi. And because, and then it carried on. Now we do, it, diesel engines have got quieter, but now music has now become a, a, just a fun and it's, it's become the, the norm. Yes. But, with this one, uh, that story of Kenyans, whenever you ask them, I'm around the corner, everybody in the bus will tell you you're lying because they can hear you. Yeah. <laughs> I know, Moses, one of the barriers to immobility is uh, infrastructure. And I saw from the IPRA consultative meeting that just ended, um, uh, what did they say from the consultative meeting? Someone from Kenya Power spoke about Basigo and other carriers mm. being keen on charging their vehicles in the evening mm-hmm. and also showing up demand during that time because you're using renewable energy and all. So how long does it take if the whole fleet is being charged at night, how long does it take to charge them to uh, completion and how long does that battery last the bus? Okay, I'll start with the end. A fully charged battery on the bus will give you 250 kilometers. Yeah, so that will take you yeah, maybe eight, nine trips. Yeah, are you the ones who got to Naivasha the other day? Yes, we, <laughs> yeah, Naivasha is not very far. Yeah. We came back with plenty of time. I think we should have reached Gilgil. Mm-hmm. We would have still been, uh, we still have made it. Yes, definitely. Did you charge while in Naivasha? No, there's no charger in Naivasha. Oh, okay. So it was a make, it was a, it was a make or break. If uh. you, if we, if we didn't make it, we would have pushed the bus back. But we came back <laughs> with over 31 percent uh, of the battery. Congratulations. So yes, so that tells us that maybe um, if if there's any uh, operator who's doing Nairobi Naivasha, mm. they can start talking to us because we now know that the bus can get there and come back. And come or, or if you put a charger in Naivasha, yes. then you can then go to Nakuru or somewhere else. Yes. Anyway, yeah, so a bus has to uh, fully charge. The current bus is 250 kilometers. Mm-hmm. Um, we currently are operating on a one-to-one bus to charger. So whenever we set up infrastructure, there is a specific charger for a specific bus. So we can charge all the buses simultaneously. Mm-hmm. Um, it takes between... From zero, which you never do, it takes around four hours to charge if you're using a slow charger, but you can actually then um, fast charge them in half the time. Mm. Um, so we are having to build that infrastructure. For the pilot, we were operating out of our depot in um, uh, 
North Airport Road. We've now putting up, and we've put another depot in Kikuyu. We'll be putting up something in uh, the Eastlands area around Buruburu. We are looking at Fika Road. That's also be coming up in the next few weeks, and somewhere around the Eastern Bypass Utawala area. And for us, the infrastructure has to follow the routes the buses are going. Mm. So we don't have the luxury of one big depot where all the buses come like yeah. they do in the Western world. We actually, because these are, are, are decentralized and they are with different operators. Mm. So if a Rongai operator then buys a bus from us, then we'll have to then set up a charger on his route, so it has to be as close to possible. So you don't want as many, you don't want dead miles. Yes. And, and because almost our routes work with like a hub and spoke, so we are starting on the on at, at, in the on the outside, which is on the hub, mm. and then come almost like an onion ring. Then keep coming to the to the mm. center. That's what interesting. You you're very particular about those routes that you've mentioned. Is there any reason why you chose those particular routes? Actually, we did. We don't choose the routes. Okay. Is we it's the it's where the clients are going. So. If, for example, I have a client who's going to Ruaka, mm -hmm. yeah, and has committed to a bus, then I have to be able to provide infrastructure for that person. And I, I, I like to say it's akin to what, for example, when uh, the telcos came, mm -hmm. they had to create infrastructure. And I think in, in, in those early days, there were so many areas that were, there was dead. You would actually move from one neighborhood to the next, and the, in between there would be no network. But they had to build that infrastructure to to make it seamless. So in the same way, we are building the infrastructure only that we are following the Matatu routes right yes. now, and then uh, as we as we then uh, get there, then we will find how can we then make it a bit easier and a bit more con connectable. Yeah, I've seen stories on your Insta mm -hmm. about how much token it takes to charge your <laughs> e-vehicles actually yeah. and from the IPRA consultative meeting again uh, it also came out that uh, e-mobility will receive a boost if we might call it that with a special tariff yeah. how how does Basigo how will Basigo go about this is it a good thing for Basigo and uh, will that affect power demand in your opinion because uh, someone mentioned that there's not enough information to go by, yeah. and the stakeholders they are actually admitted to it, and they said they were chancing more of chancing with the statistics, mm. and they will actually work to review once they get the proper statistics. So, yeah. what can you say about the special tariff? Is it going to affect business in a good way, or is it just a tariff? For okay. First. Um, I'll not be our typical Kenyans who complain and then <laughs> I, I will say it's excellent. Yeah. Why is it excellent? That the fact that they are thinking of an EV tariff, that means they are now EV has come to the table. Mm. And they say, if you're not on the table, you're the meal. Yeah? <laughs> so we are on the table. So yes. now that there's at least the conversation has, has got um, a place to start. Mm -hmm. So it's a very good start that there's an EV tariff. What are we looking for as Basigo and some of the other EV companies? Um, one of the things even in that consultation, uh, Kenya Power said, is they've got excess power from 10 p.m. in the night to almost 4, 5 a.m. in the morning. Their peak period is between around 6 to 9 or 6 to 10 mm. uh, p.m. And that's where they, they've got the most, um, they, they've got the highest demand. Yes. After 10 o'clock, it starts going down. Mm. Now, currently, you pay for that power, whether, they, whether it's used or, or not, not used, because it has, it, it's, it's been generated. Mm. And a lot of that time has been generated by the wind and by geothermal. So there's excellent 90% renewable energy at that time. Mm. 
Now, how, what is good for us? At that time, the buses is when they're actually coming to be parked. Now, if we can ab absorb that energy, mm -hmm. then we become a very key uh, stakeholder to, um, to Kenya Power. And, what, and our, our submission at that, we're telling them, if we then get to 1,000 a, a buses, which is our plan, yes. we would actually be taking 24, well, almost 25% of that power that they're, not, uh, that they're actually paying for that is not going, uh, that's not be that's not uh, being used commercially. Mm. So we become a very key stakeholder in, in power uptake and it's new load. It's mm. not, we're not shifting existing load where maybe a factory was uh, manufacturing in the day, now they're moving to the night. This is new load. This is actually power that they were not selling. That's mm. power that they were paying for, but they, uh, but they could not sell to anybody. So it's an actually, uh, for us, it's an exciting opportunity. Yeah. We are doing everything to make sure, that's why we were the consultative, consultative meeting we are putting our written submissions and we're also coordinating with um with the other immobility players uh for example the border border guys if they're in a position especially the guys doing battery swap mm. if you're in a position to charge a lot of your batteries at that mm -hmm. time yeah. then we can request a time of use tariff mm -hmm. uh, at, uh with uh, closer to what street lights are, are paying and that would be very good for immobility if you've got your own vehicle at home you buy your ev if you can also get that if you charge your EV after 10 p.m. or after 11 p.m. Yeah. when you're asleep, like we do with our phones and everything, then it's all good for, uh, it's all, all this uh, is good for the country. Mm. Then we can look on the other flip side. If we then increase EVs to even 5% and reduce our dependency on fossil fuels by 5%, the amount of money the country will save in foreign exchange and, and uh, in, um, in balance of trade would be great because the energy we are consuming in EVs is locally produced. And I like to push and say, we need to classify energy as part of localization, not just the seats, uh, <laughs> you know, not just the physical parts of a yes. vehicle. Can the energy, because this energy, you buy an EV, you will be consuming from Kenya Power uh, or maybe solar, locally produced energy for the lifetime of that vehicle. You buy an ICE vehicle or a fossil fuel vehicle, you will be sending money to the Arab world for the rest of your life. So which one is buy Kenya, build Kenya? It's the EV. Yes. Talking about buying invest, um, what is the cost like? I've seen there are flexible mechanisms that's on your website mm. of acquiring these vehicles. How much will it set someone back if you want to get into this business and ply those buses on your routes? Okay. Two ways of looking at that question. I'll answer it. Um, EVs are normally two times to three times more expensive than their, uh, than their fossil fuel counterparts. Mm. If you buy an EV today and you buy a, an ICE vehicle, uh, if you compare them, the EV will be two or three times more expensive. But how, what are we doing? What is, the, uh, what is Basigo's business? We are selling this EV not for that three times price. We're selling it for the same price as a diesel vehicle. And then you sign, a, a, then we give you a battery lease or a subscription program for the period of, for a period of eight years. So that's how you... Eight years. Eight years, which is eight years or 600,000 kilometers, which is equivalent to the battery warranty. Mm -hmm. So instead of, um, because the total cost of ownership of our EV is low, mm -hmm. uh, we then are almost like we are balancing out. So if you, if you were to look at, if you were to draw a graph, 
it's cheap to buy an IC vehicle, but very expensive to run it. Yes, over maintenance. Uh, maintenance. Yeah. On every, it's yeah. very expensive to buy an electric vehicle, but very cheap to run it. Yeah, so the maintenance is ex so you what what our innovation is coming in between there so we are splitting so you pay for the same uh, you would pay for a diesel vehicle but then we will then provide the charging infrastructure the actual energy that goes in the vehicle the maintenance of the vehicle and all the technology risk is taken by us so we carry the warranties and that will run for the eight, eight years, years or six hundred thousand kilometers wow. so if you're an operator yeah. you stop worrying about do i have an ev mechanic no you just worry about carrying passengers and giving them the best service the best that you experience. can. Yeah. Very good stuff. From Kenton's cabs, I got that uh, it only needs to be serviced at, at most twice a year. Is that the same with the buses? Um, our scheduled service is every 15,000 kilometers. How yeah. many, what's the duration for that? Okay, it really months, depends. Weeks? Right now we are doing, uh, a bus is doing around 300 kilometers a day. So if you were to do the math, you uh, you will service it almost every six weeks. Six but weeks. but what we do is we service the bus at night when it's charging, so that it's available in the day to mm. carry passengers, as opposed to our diesel counterparts who actually on a, a diesel vehicle will stop two three uh, three to four days every month for service. For service. Yeah. Now that everything is done at night, does it mean that you're not intending to do? night travel for Basigo, is that an option that's on the table? For now we are concentrating on city buses, mainly okay. because of the, um, of the capacity. The, you can actually get a vehicle that goes further, higher, longer distances. Mm, like Naivasha. But then the, yeah, well, Naivasha is not far. Yeah, I do night, <laughs> night travels. Yeah, but you would then require mm. um, a bigger battery. If let's say, for example, you wanted a bus that can do all the way to Mombasa. But you also then require infrastructure. So we are concentrating mm. on city buses, which have um, smaller batteries but can, are doing shorter trips and more rotations but as uh, as we grow and as we get to that 1000 mark and the infrastructure is growing then we might be able to actually do that but again as, remember we are saying we want to we want to be there's not that much there's a lot of night travel mm -hmm. uh, inter-county yeah they were going to people will go to Kisumu to Mombasa at night mm -hmm. but in the city there's not much and that's where the, we also want to take advantage of that extra power yes. that is there because if we start then uh, doing night travel that means we are uh, charging in the daytime and then using the more uh, expensive power that uh, mm -hmm. is available so you're keen on that time where demand is low exactly noted yeah, yeah. so i know right now immobility is such a hot it's very sexy to put it in the best way. Everyone is getting into it. And uh, you're one of the companies that were fast in this space. So how are you ensuring that you keep ahead of the competition as Basico? We don't consider other immobility companies competition. We've got this monster called diesel. Mm -hmm. There's 20,000 diesel buses in Nairobi. So that is the competition. Those are the guys that are polluting. Those are the guys that are sending all our dollars to other countries. That is the competition. So I'm not worrying about... In fact, I hope other immobility companies can come because then we are moving this big uh, monolith that is in front of us together. Mm -hmm. So um, I, I like to... 
we are looking forward, not backwards. So I'm not worrying about who's coming behind us. I'm looking at who have we found in the market. Can we then be able to get a bit of that market share? If we even can get 10%, it is a big thing for this, for this city. Are there partnerships you're looking forward to now that you want as many people as possible <laughs> we to are, on the table? As, at Basigo, we are all yeah. about partnerships. Yes. We have partnerships with the OEM. We have partnerships. I mean, remember when I sell this bus, I am joined to the hip with uh, with the uh, operator. So that's a partnership. We have partnerships with AVA. Everything is about partnerships. Mm -hmm. So unlike if you buy a diesel vehicle, that's it. When you, you drive it out of the <laughs> when you drive it out of the dealership, sure, you're on it. your own. Yeah. For me, we we are gonna meet every day. Mm -hmm. We are going to be we we actually connected, and it's a real partnership. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, uh, I'd like to know, I know there are plans that I read about Basigo uh, diversifying its revenue and installing charging infrastructure. What else is in the company's strategy for the future? I think uh, on that infrastructure, what we are we're saying is if we have, since we're already developing this infrastructure and where, where it's public facing, especially if we put it out in malls or we put it out in petrol stations, we would like that and our buses are running in the day. So that infrastructure will be available for anybody else who brings EVs. Let's say it's a personal vehicle can then uh, you can charge there. So yeah, so that's one way we are looking at it. So we become the anchor client who take uh, who are using that infrastructure mainly in the nighttime, but mm -hmm. in the daytime it's available. So that's one way. Um, uh, other ways of other ways we are looking at diversifying is we are also looking at. Remember, we always say we are an African company, so we're not a Kenyan company. We're looking. We are, we started in Kenya and we are registered in Kenya, but we are looking at what else, what other opportunities are available. So there is the regional expansion. There's even local expansion. Are we going to move to Mombasa? Are we mm -hmm. going to move to Nakuru? What else? Yeah. So there's that opportunity. And then last but not least is we can also look. At diversifying, diversifying by the type of vehicle. We can move into trucks uh, that, for example, delivery trucks, which have a specific route or have got a specific number of kilometers. For example, the guys who take milk to all the kiosks, it's a route that they do every day. Uh, you know how many kilometers. Those vehicles can be electrified. Dump trucks, uh, we don't have very many, but the ones, garbage trucks. Mm -hmm. If you look what's happening in Europe, they are all getting electrified. Our water trucks that do uh, deliver water, those can be, taxis would be great. Yeah, they would be get, uh, if again, taxis have got high mileage, so they mm -hmm. could actually uh, work on our pay-as-you-drive model. So there's also opportunities there is to move this to different. And then last but not least, we can actually start looking at other types of buses. Is it the long-distance buses mm -hmm. you've talked about, school buses would be interesting. And there's a lot of schools that are looking at uh, electric, uh, electric uh, buses for their kids because one of the things that if you, depending on where you live, there's always a lot of noise at five, six yeah, in the morning from the school buses. Can <laughs> like you imagine if that school alum. exactly that school bus could come and your child is in that bus going to school and for the one hour he's in that bus one and a half hours, he's listening to this noise. Yeah, early in the morning and he's gonna do it again. Imagine if that was a quiet ride, could do their homework in the school bus. Interesting. I never thought about it that way. <laughs> yeah. I'd like you to share with us your wisdom, your parting shots, and what you're looking forward to. I know the government has very good incentives for immobility. What What are your hopes for the future? Um, yeah, I hear, I, again, um, government is listening, so I'm not <laughs> going to say uh, that the incentives are great. Um, 
what I am excited about is, as I said earlier, is immobility is now on the table. I think that just the other day we saw the budget statement where they've talked about incentives for, um, for PSV operators to actually be able to move from their uh, ICE vehicles to, uh, to electric vehicles. I think um, if you look at the current government's manifesto, there's a lot about on e-mobility, especially yes. for the two-wheelers. And the fact that it's got to a budget statement, we're hoping that when the budget comes out, there'll be like um, aggressive incentives like we've seen in Rwanda, where mm -hmm. there's actually Rwanda has no duties, has no VAT for EVs, and there's even got a very aggressive tariff. Ethiopia has just gone down the same way. Mm -hmm. uh, Ghana is doing the same. Uh, India has got a lot of incentives, so there's an opportunity there. That's what we are looking forward to. Um, we're also looking forward to the fact that um, we can. The, for me, what's been most encouraging mm -hmm. is seeing these Matatu operators actually embrace technology. For me, that's just completely phenomenal. That gives me uh, the drive to keep going because then I know I have got a product that makes yes. sense to them. And the fact that they want to actually improve their product, that actually can make me wake up every morning and go and do this. This, you know, it's not an easy job because yes. what you're doing is you're, you're like an evangelist. You've come and you're telling people uh, there is this new, uh, um, there's, there's this new uh, God that has come, mm -hmm. and they ha they know their ways that they've done, uh, they, that they followed all these years. But you're telling them actually there's a new thing here, and it, you there's a lot of pushback. But the fact that um, that this message is falling on fertile ground mm -hmm. is extremely exciting. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think if you ask me. Uh, <laughs> wisdom that's a bit difficult <laughs> <laughs> i would just say um it's i would just say like anything uh, it's always interesting when you do something you believe in yes, and, it uh, is, and, and, and something that you are willing to uh, defend with your life because mm. you know it is the right thing mm. and uh, I, I know a lot of these things when we talk about sustainability and we talk about climate if it doesn't make economic sense then it's just another talk but for this one, there's clear economic um, benefits mm -hmm. from an individual person on a micro level to a macro level to a country level. So it becomes an easy sell. So if, um, if I got an opportunity to talk to the powers that be, I would actually be going there as an evangelist <laughs> for EV and say that this is a good thing for the country, this is actually a good thing for the planet, this is a good thing for the individual who, who, uh, who um, invest in it. Thank you so much, Moses, for joining us today on the Power Dialogue. I look forward to having you back when once you have those 10,000 buses on the road. I look forward <laughs> to having 10,000 buses. Yeah. Thank <laughs> yeah. you so Thank much. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah.